What up, film fans? I have had a little break. I had to. I had to have a little break. I just had to, goddammit. And now I'm back. So I'm sorry to not give you an episode for a couple of weeks. I think it's been two weeks, maybe three weeks. I apologize. I will try never to do it to you again. But sometimes life be like that. And I've had a hell of a busy month. Uh, Some good, some bad, some in between. Mostly good, to be honest with you though, which is nice. Uh, Anyway, that's enough about that. This is a film podcast. Well, and TV shows and all of that. Malarkey. So, um, yeah, not bringing you an analysis episode or a breakdown or anything this time around. Just sort of doing a little bit of a recap about, well, I guess my film watching and, and whatnot over the last, like, you know, couple of weeks. As if, I, don't, I honestly can't remember how long it's been. I think it's been three weeks since I put out an episode. So basically the whole of February. But that's fine. You know, it happens. Things happen. The last thing I put out that you may have seen was the Black Panther Wakanda Forever reaction video. Um, and in my circle of friends that, uh, you know, watched it or whatever, or listened to it, they were surprised that I was, um, not exactly enthusiastic about it, uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, I had, you can watch that episode for my reasons and everything about it. Um, but yeah, I think I am just like very Marvel fatigued right now. One of my friends who is also, like, I tend to trust his opinion when it comes to the MCU. But he's also very Marvel fatigued right now. And he actually said that the new Ant-Man movie, Quantumania, or whatever it's called, is actually pretty good. So I guess I'll go check that out. I'll probably check that out in the cinema if I get time. If not, I'll just wait for it to come out on Disney+. And then I'll watch it. Um... But yeah, generally speaking, I'm pretty Marvel fatigued. Um, this, I hate to say it, but the Phase 4 stuff just hasn't been as good, has it? Like, let's be honest. You know, maybe it's because the benchmark of, like, Infinity War and Endgame is so darn high that maybe things just pale in comparison. Like, there were some duds throughout everything up until Endgame throughout the MCU. Like, there were, you know? Uh, I'm not going to name names and point fingers, but there were some duds. Um, but generally speaking, it was a bit more consistently stellar. Anyway, that's enough bagging on the MCU. Um, what else have I watched in between then and now? I've watched some good films. Um, I watched See How They Run, which is the, um, I believe her name is pronounced Sosha. Uh, oh, what's her surname? Jesus Christ. Uh, the Irish actress. She's in loads of stuff. Um, see how they run. I'm literally honest. The am- oh, can't even speak right now. The amount of times I've like looked up the pronunciation of her name and it just slips my mind every single time because I'm an idiot. Um, Sosha Ronan, I think it is, and Sam Rockwell, amongst other people. Oh, yeah, Adrian Brody's in it. He's class in it. Uh, but it was a good... If anyone's 
listened to my recent few podcasts, you will know that I am a big fan of the whodunit type detective crime thriller type movies. Um, and it is a whodunit, but it's a bit of a twist on it, I would say. I don't want to give too much away about it, uh, but it has some really cool like narrative shifts. Like it's almost self-aware. It's almost a little bit meta in the way it's like... Um, uh, in the way they execute it, you know, the way the sort of story beats and everything play out. Uh, but the script writing uh, and like the dialogue and everything was really, really good, pretty funny as well. And so I used to say that Sam Rockwell was the most underrated actor in Hollywood, but he won an Oscar for three billboards outside Ebbing, Ebbing Missouri. So he's kind of not underrated anymore. <laughs> um, but he's he's class, man. Like I feel like even though he's won that Oscar, enough people still don't like pay attention to the caliber of the guy. He's flawless in everything he's in, be it Seven Psychopaths, Three Billboards, even Iron Man 2. There's a dud for you. There's a dud from the MCU. We went full circle in the first five minutes. Uh, Iron Man 2, he's great in that. I can't remember the name of his character, Hammer, I think it is, something like that. He's the other, like, arms dealer to combat Stark Industries. Uh, but he's great in that. He's great in everything. Uh, so he plays this kind of, if you haven't seen See How They Run, if you have seen it, go check it out. It's on Disney Plus, at least, if you're in the UK. I don't know where else it is if you're not in the UK, because I live in the UK, so that's why I would only know that. Mm-hmm. Google it, if you're not sure. Uh, yeah, he plays this kind of, like, begrudgingly alcoholic not begrudgingly alcoholic he's an alcoholic who's begrudgingly a detective <laughs> um yeah uh, and he he has a english accent in it and right this is going to sound really arrogant because i'm british but i feel like british and irish actors can more convincingly do american accents than most american actors can do English accents. There's a few exceptions, you know. Renee Zellweger, brilliant British accent in Bridget Jones's Diary. I actually thought she was British until I saw me, myself, and Irene, and I was like, she's doing a really good American accent. And then the person I was watching it with was like, that's because she's American. I was like, yeah, what now? And that's the end of that riveting tale about me discovering Renee Zellweger's birth nationality. Um, Anyway, there's a few there's a few exceptions that can do really good English accents. Like Johnny Depp, to my knowledge, if I'm recalling that right. Does he do British accents? I know there's a Scottish accent in um Alice in Wonderland. Like his cause his his character in that was um bipolar, so like when he's having his sort of more negative or angry moments, he turns Scottish. Um and his accent was pretty good. Uh, yeah, there's a few exceptions, but Sam Rockwell definitely stands out as um, one of the best at being able to do a American accent, uh, a British accent, being an American. Glug glug, water time, H2O. God, a terrible throwback. Uh, yeah, and so Sher Ronan basically plays uh, his sort of um, like she's a relative new recruit to the police force and she's trying to learn the ropes so they sort of get her to shadow Sam Rockwell um and and learn the ropes that way and she's got like she does that um like enthusiastic 
sort of young energy thing really well like oh this is my first big case i'm gonna help crack it and yeah she, she's classing it uh, they're both classing it to be fair everyone's classing it adrian brody's classing it he's really good at being this like obnoxious kind of um american uh director uh what's the other dude the dude who was in selma he's great in it uh what's his name gosh darn it yeah david oyelowo he's awesome in it as well um oh yeah ruth wilson's in it she only has a teeny weeny part in it but ruth wilson's pretty good in most stuff yeah, would recommend. It's a it's a good take on the whodunit stuff. It's a bit different to um, Knives Out and all that. Uh, definitely different to um, Death on the Nile and the other one. Ah, oh, what is the other one in that duography of films? Is duography a word? Did I just invent a word? It sounds like a real word. Um. Anyway, what the hell is that film called? We got Death on the Night, Murder on the Orient Express. Jesus, we got there in the end. Yeah, um, so that was good. Oh, do you know what I did watch? That it came out in 2016, right? And I literally only watched it like two weeks ago. Moana. Yeah, the Pixar movie. I don't know why. I I'm well behind on my Pixar movies, by the way. Um I just haven't seen a lot of them. Even though I know that Pixar generally don't make bad films there's a few i haven't seen that have been out for donkeys like cars and all of that um but you know the the the, they're pretty are they the most consistent studio really i think they might be just like objectively looking at it like i'm not the biggest pixar fan like obviously i grew up watching like toy story and bugs life and you know all those ones but then you know, you might think like, oh, they are like for kids or whatever, but like Up was fantastic. I haven't seen that for years, but it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I, they, they must be the most consistent studio. I don't think I've ever seen a bad Pixar movie. But anyway, so I was watching Moana, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson and... Um, oh, I love this dude. What's his name? Tamara Morrison. Uh, amongst others are the voices in that film uh, and it's it's well good it's probably one of the best Pixar movies I've seen for a long long time I mean everyone listening to this is probably going yeah we know it's been out for nearly a decade all right I was slow on it I didn't get around to it um Inside Out another absolute classic new one well newish one um they're so consistent they are so consistent anyway Moana um more, uh, I don't think they ever specify which sort of like Maori Polynesian culture that uh, Moana is based on. I don't think they ever do. Um, but I've always had a kind of appreciation for those kind of cultures and stuff. Like, you know, part of it is being like a rugby fan. Um, you know, when when you're like a young kid, or even now when you're an, you're an adult and you see like the New Zealanders doing the Hakka or the Fijians doing, ah, uh, sorry, I can't remember what they call it. Um, it's it's another sort of war dance like the Hakka is. And Samoa has one. And I can't remember the name of that one either. I'm sorry. Um, but they are like, you see these war dances um, and it, it's just 
it's cool as shit, man. Like I know it might sound a bit sort of um, simplistic just to be like, oh, that's a cool thing. Um, and I know that they have a lot, a lot more like deep, meaningful kind of, uh, well, significance behind them than just being and looking cool. Uh, but they are, they are pretty badass. Um, yeah, and like Moana is obviously like littered with uh, all these different, uh, like sort of, um, what's the word? I was going to say aperitifs, but that doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> yep i've been away for like three weeks and nothing has changed my brain still can't think quicker than my mouth so i just end up going Dah. um yeah add what are you gonna do anyway um no i think it's because my brain thinks too quickly and my thought processing can't keep keep up with my thought uh, who, who cares who cares i don't um anyway moana uh, visually stunning, you know, uh, yeah, it's animated, you know, computer graphics, all of that, but still visually stunning, the color palette is redonkulous, uh, the, you know, the use, even the use of lights, um, there's some real nice, like, compositions and everything that they make up, because I feel like, although animated movies do get, you know, nominated for Oscars or, or whatever type of awards, um, it is almost easy for maybe people that uh, haven't seen like the how these films are put together or just don't work in film in general um, that animated films still go through a very similar process in terms of like storyboarding um, you know setting up the shots there still has to be a director there still has to be a cinematographer of sorts you know someone to sort of uh, piece it all together in terms of like because you still have to act as though there is a camera because it, that's the lens in which the audience is seeing through the uh, seeing the film through sorry so you still have to be you still have to plan how the shots are set up where the characters are going to be stood what's in the background what's the lighting situation going to be like um how is the how is even you know if they're in if they're by a fire pit is it going to create a lot of shadows on the characters' faces, are we going to see flames in their eyes? You know, all that sort of stuff um, that you might maybe take for granted if you were just filming something, you know? Uh, so, yeah, the makeup of it and everything is is brilliant. And, of course, like, it's just full of, like, wonderful Pixar dialogue. Like, uh, I'm going to have to Google it. He's that... Um, uh, he's that bloke from Flight of the Concords. Let me find him before... Jermaine Clement, yeah. <laughs> he plays, the, if you're not familiar or if you can't remember, he plays this like giant sea crab thing that is like a, a hoarder of, of treasure. And he has um, Dwayne Johnson who plays Maui. He has his like um, sort of special, uh, like it's it's kind of like, it's a hook. Yeah, yeah that's literally what it is, it's a hook. But it's like, you know, super powered and it gives him, it gives Maui his, his, amazing powers and to, to like distract him they give him i think they call it the heart of the sea or the heart of something that might be titanic they they have this like gem thing that's like super important it's kind of the the linchpin of the film you know it's the quest it's like the one ring and lord of the rings but you know slightly different stakes uh 
and they distract the crab with a fake one of those to get the hook to then carry on on their quest with the real like green gem thing and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't quite remember it verbatim but um, Jermaine Clement has this line of like in, in this Kiwi accent it's like ah oh, she distracted me with a pebble covered in luminescent algae as a diversion tactic or, or something like that and it's just so like <laughs> he just like spells it out for the audience like exactly what has happened but with his I mean not trying to be funny or anything but his accent does make it funny and his delivery makes it funny you know like there are some things that when they're done with a particular accent they do just up the comedy like I'm not saying it's not also like British people or English people but um yeah ac accents really can make stuff funnier you know I'm trying to think of an example of an English accent um being funny but yeah, my mind's blank. So, but it definitely happens. Trust me, it happens. Um, but yeah, he's he's proper funny in that. And I, right, you know, I was talking about getting MCU fatigue, right? I used to like properly love Dwayne Johnson. Like, I, I wasn't really into wrestling as a kid or a teenager, like a lot of my friends were. I sort of just had like a passing interest in it. Um, but I I really enjoyed Dwayne Johnson's like early film career even though some of the films were like you know they weren't winning awards but they were always fun right which is basically his still his career to be fair um but talking about mcu fatigue i did start to get kind of dwayne johnson fatigued i was like this motherfucker is in everything he's in everything there's like nine jungle excursion theme movies a year that he's in you know, he's in all of the Fast and Furiouses since number five and the spin-offs. You know, I just, the motherfucker was in everything. Still is. Um, and it did start to like... I don't know, yeah, I kind of just like got bored of seeing him and stuff. And I think that might be why I didn't bother getting around to, Mo to, to Moana, sorry. I was just like, uh, you know... It's another Dwayne Johnson project. Oh, and he's going to sing in it this time. Dude absolutely nails it. His vocal performance is spot on. Like the characterization he brings, the tone, the humor. Even his song is good. And I'm pretty sure he's not like, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm pretty sure he's not a singer. But he nails it. Really, really good work, Dwayne. Turns out. You're quite good at your job, <laughs> despite being, like, the highest grossing actor in Hollywood for, like, 10 years in a row, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Um, no, yeah, Moana's banging. Moana is really banging. Um, ah, and then, because I got... Because, uh, like I say, uh, apart from Inside Out and Up, and, like, ah, uh, there must be a couple more that just aren't coming to mind. I didn't really see many, obviously Toy Story 4, uh, which I have mixed feelings about, but we'll park that for a minute. Um, yeah, because I haven't really dabbled with um, Pixar for a while. Uh, so after watching Moana, I was like, man, I forgot how fun and entertaining Pixar can be. And I think I'd watched a lot of like serious stuff in and around that sort of time, like obviously the Last of Us series, 
Um, I've recently started watching The Sopranos, which, by the way, uh, I don't know if, if anybody is aware, Sopranos is banging. I've never watched it before. Everyone had always talked about how good it is. Yep, they were right. It's banging. Um, yeah, I was just watching a lot of serious stuff. And I thought, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to I'm gonna watch um, a Pixar. Yeah, a Pixar movie. So that's why I, I watched Moana. And then after it, I was like, oh, man, I forgot how fun Pixar can be. So I watched Soul, the Jamie Foxx one, where he's like a jazz musician. And I had, if if you don't know about it, I'm gonna not, I'm gonna try not to spoil it, but I'm gonna unpack a little bit more what it is about. I literally just thought it was about Jamie Foxx being a jazz musician, right? Like a struggling kind of jazz musician, like Pixar's answer to Whiplash. <laughs> Whiplash is incredible, by the way. If you haven't seen that, but we'll save that for another pod. Um, yeah, I had no idea in Soul that literally it is about your soul. As in like your entity, your spirit, your energy, what makes you, you kind of... I had no idea. <laughs> so that was a really pleasant surprise. And so, ah, this is something I was also going to say about um, Moana. Is that when when Pixar leans into like a theme, they really do their research on it, right? So I'm, you may have heard from other pods, like I'm quite a spiritual dude. And there's these uh, like, I guess they're kind of like higher beings or whatever that help um the souls sort of become complete souls and then send them to like earth to inhabit bodies and and like live lives essentially right so you know some souls are creative some souls are academic whatever it might be and when okay so spoiler alert for the first like five minutes it's not really a spoiler for the narrative of soul but spoiler alert for the first five ten minutes or whatever um he kind of jamie fox kind of dies so his soul goes to this like place to meet these higher beings and if for those who don't know a lot about spirituality or whatever um look into sacred geometry right so sacred geometry talks about um the creation of like life and essence and stuff uh, so there's things like uh, the flower of life which i have on a coaster <laughs> well, i have on several coasters but this is one coaster that was near me so you see all those circles? Oh, the light is fucking that up a little bit. You see all these circles and stuff? For those um, listening only, just Google Flower of Life Sacred Geometry or whatever. You see all these interlinking circles. Those are all individual circles that interlink. Right, that is the Flower of Life. Um, a quick sort of breakdown on that is like, it's basically mitosis, right? So you have one one cell, one circle becomes two cells. So then it sort of looks like a Venn diagram becomes three circles, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, so that is how cells multiply on a microscopic kind of level. And there's going to be some biologist out there like having a seizure or something right now in my explanation of it. But I'm not a scientist. I'm a spiritualist. Well, no, obviously, I'm not saying I don't believe in science. Of course, science has its place. Spirituality has its place. Let's both live together in harmony. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so that's... Sacred geometry is basically showing that in sort of a picture form, um, and they all have like deeper meanings and everything. Anyway, back to soul. So when these higher beings then approach um, Jamie Foxx, they like shift through all these different patterns and shapes, and they're all sacred geometry shapes before it then forms a sort of like more human looking sort of form. 
and it says to Jamie Foxx, like, oh, I'm just presenting myself to you in this form because it's easier for your human mind to comprehend. But, like, just the the quick glimpse of all these different, like, sacred geometry shapes and stuff, I was like, holy hell, Pixar's really done their research into this, you know? I thought it was badass. Um. Anyway, yeah. Excuse my sacred geometry tangent, but I, I got back there. Uh, yeah, and it ends up, uh, I'm going to say how it ends, but it, it, it it's a really nice, you know, th- sort of thought-provoking, kind of uh, uplifting movie about like, well, the tagline is something about what makes you you. So yeah, I guess it does kind of do that. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't, didn't know a lot. I literally thought it was going to be like a music-based kind of musical. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's... Uh, it's very. It's, they're, they're, Pixar are consistent, man. They are consistent. I will say, Cars. I've never seen it, and there's a reason. It looks awful. I do like Owen Wilson, though. Wow. But yeah, maybe one day. Um, but I, I don't honestly don't. I honestly don't think I've seen a bad Pixar movie. For those of you that might not be aware, Pixar's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'd slightly pivoted to a potential tangent earlier that I want to go back to now and I can't remember what it is so instead I'm going to talk about Troll this uh, Norwegian movie that is I think it's on Netflix if you're in the UK I think that's where I watched it yeah I watched that over the last couple of weeks that's that's pretty good that's a lot of fun Uh, that really dips its toe into like uh, Norse and sort of troll mythology not really Norse mythology. I mean, like Scandinavian mythology and and troll mythology. Um, that's a lot of fun because when I was quite small, I say quite small. I think I might be like twelve or thirteen at the time. Um, I was lucky enough that my grandparents took me on a cruise. Me and my cousins and my sister and that they took us on a cruise around the Baltic Heights. So we saw these like Scandinavian countries uh, and. I, uh, I think it was Latvia we were in, um, where they're like they're really big on trolls there, and I was like learning all this stuff about trolls, um, and I just thought it was really really cool, and I kind of forgot a lot of it, uh, and then rewatching this Norwegian film Troll, um, which is subtitled, there might be a dubbed version out there, but you know, come on, if I mean, well. I can't speak for people who maybe struggle um, with like reading if they're like severely dyslexic or something, but I don't really. Well, I can't think of a way to say it without sounding like a dick, because I don't want to dismiss people with you know um, that maybe process reading uh, more difficultly than I do, uh, and I'm partly dyslexic. I think maybe someone might have told me that in school. I don't know. Um, Anyway, good God, my brain is running at a thousand miles an hour and I can't formulate the words. My friend used this metaphor on me once and they were actually explaining themselves, but it was incredibly relatable. Um, I think they call it slow processing, where it's not that you're stupid, it's that your brain is trying to process so many things at one time. They, They use the imagery of like, imagine like, 40 or 50 rather large fat people trying to make their way down a corridor at exactly the same time. They just get blocked because the corridor is too small for them. 
Sorry if anyone's fat and took offense to that, but that was the metaphor I was told, and it's a good metaphor. Um, yeah, so like the the fat people are your thoughts. There's just too many of them for the brain in the mouth to form a corridor and get them out of there. Anyway, yeah, I feel like that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> um, what the hell was I talking about? Trolls and the film Troll. It is subtitled. Subtitled films fine for me. I don't that have an issue with it. Anyway, that's not the point. Um, I was as much as I enjoyed Troll. Partway through, I was like, "Oh, this is basically King Kong. It's Norwegian King Kong, for all intents and purposes." Which I always used to think was pronounced for all intensive purposes, but it's not. There you go. There's some knowledge for you if you weren't knowledgeable to that knowledge. <whistles> yep, anyway. It is basically King Kong in Norway with a troll, not a monkey. But that doesn't mean it's not fun. And it does take a few nice twists and turns, some really cool action sequences, some pretty intense moments, um, some really great performances, um, some actually quite stunning visuals in terms of like special effects and all that, uh, or just shots in, in general. Uh, but yeah, the performances were were pretty damn good as well. Um, I don't really have a lot more to say about that film, to be honest. It'd be, it was good, I enjoyed it, but... You know, um, I've done that thing again where I start a podcast without making notes about what I'm going to talk about and I end up just rabbiting on. So if you're still with me, fantastic. Please do rate, review, subscribe to wherever you are engaging with this media, be it audio or visual. Um, this would also be a nice time to do some advertising, but I don't have any ad sponsors, so there goes that. Um, yeah, other films and stuff. Oh, and obviously, right. I've still been watching The Last of Us. That is banging. That has been so good. That has been like not only a truthful but not a carbon copy adaptation of the game, um, which I'm I'm fine with. Like I, I'm pretty sure I've already said this, but like with with adaptations of stuff i don't really mind if they change things because if i've already you know read the book or played the game or whatever then i i know the story so if they change it slightly then it keeps you on your toes which can be interesting as long as you're still truthful to you know like the essence of the the characters or the essence of the story you don't have to necessarily hit each story beat on the head but what the last of us is doing really well is pretty much hitting every story beat but with like an ever so slightly different spin uh or it's just like the the sort of charisma of pedro pascal and bella ramsey combined with like you know obviously they're great performances and then the great sort of overall storytelling of of the you know the the way the show is put together you know be it music lights um shot sequences uh how intense they can make a moment how heartfelt they can make a moment pardon me uh all that kind of stuff it's yeah so even if the bits that are exactly the same or near enough exactly the same they're done with just such expert like storytelling and performances and all the stuff i was just on about that you don't well i personally don't mind that it's the same but then 
they are changing some stuff slightly as well so it's there's enough fresh things in there or slightly altered things in there to to keep you on your toes um probably the only thing i would say my only criticism of it and i can kind of see why i can i can understand why they're they're doing it it's just um obviously when you play the games because obviously it's interactive you're playing the game there's a lot more actual sort of like killing of the infected um or even to be fair like confrontations with other survivors uh so you get into a few sort of fights and skirmishes and stuff like that and i feel like the main things that they've had to deal with at the moment are other survivors there has been a few like you know uh, moments brilliant moments where they've had to fight infected like uh the bloater episode which i think was episode five or the clickers in i believe episode two those sequences were amazing um and that bloater sequence in episode five was like so close to the game in the sense that i can remember there's a a, a sequence in the game where you're literally in a bell tower with a sniper rifle shoot maybe not a bell tower but you're in a, a higher place uh covering ellie and uh the other survivors that you've picked up at that point which may have been the same characters but i can't quite remember it's been a while since i played the first one either way um yeah so there's been these great moments with the infected and stuff uh but there's not been enough of them is what i would say because they've i guess for the medium of tv they've had to lend more time to sort of telling the story and you know setting out these these major sort of plot points these major interactions and that kind of thing uh, whereas then when you're playing the game it might seem like it was just action filler for the sake of action filler if they chucked in a load of like fighting the infected sort of sequences into the tv show so i can see why they did it or why they've done it at least up to this point i think at the time of recording episode seven was the one i watched yesterday so there's two more i believe possibly um you know so uh, yeah it might just seem like pointless action filler or just filler for the sake of filler but you know it is a show about an an infection taking over the planet and driving humans to the brink of extinction so you know i just want a little bit more just want a little bit more but then the, you know there's been some bloody wonderful moments like episode three was oh it was heartbreakingly sad and also very like lovely and romantic at the same time uh, for those who may not remember or spoiler alert if you haven't seen it episode three was um the one with nick offerman and i'm sorry i don't know the other guy's name playing bill and frank and they're like just epic sort of love story um, over the span of like the 20 years of the uh, apocalypse. It were right good, that episode. It, it really was. Um, and different from the game. Um, but didn't care. Didn't care. It was just beautiful. Um, right believe it or not ladies and gents boys and girls and everything in between 
I may have run a ground of shit to talk about, which is rare for me because I am a chatterbox. I will go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. However, I think I have run a ground. Um, I should have made notes, but I didn't. And that's oh, I guess I could talk a little bit about the Sopranos. Eh, I'm not that far into it, and it's been out long enough that most people probably would have seen it by now. And I wouldn't be able to say anything new. What was that? We had a mouse, slight tangent, we had a mouse in the house a couple of weeks back. I think it's gone. But I just heard a little summon and now I'm concerned that it's back. Please don't be back. And for all those concerned, like I've said on other podcasts, I am a vegan. So any of the traps we got for the mouse were catch and release ones. So all I'm doing is evicting it, sending it to a new place. Uh, Not... Holy shit, I think it might be back. Okay, I'm going to pause this podcast. And we will investigate. Okay, um, I don't think it's back. Uh, But anyway, yeah, I'm going to round up now. Because that distracted me from anything I might have thought about saying. Uh, Please do rate, review, subscribe. Sorry this is a short episode after such a long gap in between episodes, but there are movie analysis episodes coming soon to a audio or video distribution service near you. Uh, Goodbye, film fan.